Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I saw an opportunity because you could you could stream all day. And so what I started doing on my charters was we just mounted a camera up top and I thought it was kind of cool. I would tell my customers, hey, I'm gonna record today. It wasn't I wasn't doing it for like even thinking of a business out of this. I was like, I'm just gonna record the day. And um pretty much if they want to go back and watch it and a fish being caught, well, I have it from them casting to hook up to release. Everything's recorded all day long, eight hours. And um Twitch pretty much just gave me the opportunity to to do that. And I didn't think anything of it and it just started growing and growing. And um, we were up to about 60 to 70 viewers um, for my first like little bit of trying it out. And what's really cool about Twitch is you have an active chat. So there's, there's only a 30 second delay. So I can literally say, hey, Tom, um, should I throw the pink bucktail or the green? Which one do you guys think is going to work? And they'll say, you know, they'll come back and you throw the pink and then hmm. we'll put the pink on there, throw it. And it's, it's very interactive. You know, it's a great learning experience too. Um, people come in there to learn to cobia fish. People come in there to learn to shark fish, whatever I'm doing that day, you know, you get tons of questions. It's like an active, just really, really cool. This is the Tom Rowland podcast fascinating stories to amaze encourage and inspire you in fishing fitness and the outdoors and we're brought to you by black rifle coffee i started this podcast as a way to connect with my friends people that i admire and respect and you it has been a learning journey that's made me a better person a better fisherman a better father and a better athlete i'm so happy that you're on this journey with me and i'd love to hear from you with show suggestions guest suggestions or questions the best way to get a hold of me is through text you can text 305-930-7346 for the fastest response but if you prefer to email you can send that to podcast at saltwaterexperience.com that's a dedicated email address just for the show if you like this show you can show your support by posting about it on social media and tagging me text the link to a couple of friends that may also enjoy it and subscribe and leave a five-star review if you feel like I've earned it. The website is TomRollandPodcast.com, and that is where everything lives. All past shows, you can go and listen to any show. You can look up all the different shows that we've done, both the How To Tuesdays, the Full Links, and the Physical Fridays. They all live on TomRollandPodcast.com, and the social media is Tom underscore Roland, R-O-W-L-A-N-D, on Instagram, or you can go to our big account, saltwater underscore experience. I hope to hear from you soon. So now let's get on to today's show. 
I'm Austin Hain, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Austin, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. What have you been uh, What have you been fishing for lately? Uh, yeah, well, actually, I just got back from Virginia. I was up there for about the last two weeks doing cobias, redfish, um, then doing actually some sheep's head. Uh, got back down to Florida three days ago and just been out there. We caught some kings yesterday, sharks, bonitas, just uh, really anything out there. Yeah. What about the Virginia fishing? How's that? How's that been for you? Uh, Virginia fishing's good. It's uh, it's good for about five months. So it, it's you know in the all season it's terrible, but when when you can get there at the right time, it's some of the best fishing I think in the entire East Coast, especially for certain species like cobias, yeah. redfish, sheepshead. That cobia fishing has gotten really really popular in that area. Have you seen a oh, yeah. a, a big uh, uptick in the number of boats and fishermen out there? Oh, unbelievable amounts now. Um, yeah, I, I started, uh, I think around my boat, 2012, and um, I, I fished a bridge up there, it's Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, and um, we, we used to be upset, like, oh man, someone's on the bridge, you know, it's, it's going to be a bad day if you had one boat on that bridge. And now, you know, 2021, 2022, you get out there and you you have to get in line. I mean, there's a boat on every single pylon. It, it, it almost doubles every single year. It's pretty incredible. Wow. And so how do you, how do you deal with that? Like when you, it's, it's always interesting when you have something like, like that, where you, you're used to seeing one boat or no boats there. And then that spot becomes well known and you're seeing more and more, mm-hmm. some spots can take it and you can, you, you end up seeing that some spots can handle much, much, much more pressure than you ever thought that they could. I mean, you were thinking like one boat. Uh, yeah. it would mess you up. How has it been in, in a situation like that? Is that, um, do you feel like it's able to sustain the pressure or is it become a problem or? Gotcha. So, um, on structure, well, you, the cool thing about Virginia is you have multiple ways to catch goats. Um, you know, they come into the bay and they kind of spread out. Our bay is absolutely massive. The Chesapeake Bay is huge. Um, so for structure, uh, it, it does become difficult. Like if you're fishing the bridge or if you're fishing buoys, I mean, there's only so many pylons, there's only so many buoys. Um, the way you kind of adapt to that is uh, look for bait balls or whatever. You just, you just have to pretty much get yourself away from the boats because a lot of our cobias are just free swimmers. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of what saves us from the boats um, is you can just find them in the middle of nowhere some days. Um, and you can just kind of get yourself away from that. But honestly, as for structure fishing, talking about the bridge and stuff, it's it's very very tough to get a get a spot on there. Mm. Um, be, be, it's just it it gets overfished, and then um, not only is it the uh, the the amount of fish that are on the bridge, it's it's the people who j- just constantly having boat pressure on it, just the whitewash from their boat because you're always moving. So even if a guy's not catching the fish, the guy ahead of you can be causing this fish to sink down mm-hmm. or um, spook them or anything like that. So Structure does become very, very, very difficult um, with a lot of boat pressure. But as for the open water, you can always try to kind of find your own area. Um, so that's what I usually have to do to, to still get on fish now, in the it, last few years. Yeah. In the Keys, we fish cobia a lot of different ways and with a lot of different baits mm-hmm. and stuff like that. What's the what's the predominant way that people are targeting them up there with live bait or lures or, or what, what do you normally or what do most people normally do in the bay? Um, so most, most of our, uh, fishing is, is sight casting. Um, 
Are you still there? Sorry. Yeah, my phone's cool. getting a call. Um, most, most of our fishing is, is sight casting up there. And that's what, that's what the drive to do it is. I mean, as a fisherman, seeing the fish and actively making the casts is, is, is the most fun. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's pretty much what everybody does. There is bottom fishing and that's, that's kind of like an old school technique. Um, but, uh, but sight fishing is pretty much what everybody does. And it, you just get a tower, you ride around. And the cool thing is you're, you're seeing, uh, you're seeing just life out there at all times. So you're always actively doing something. You're not really waiting for a rod to move. So that's, that's pretty much the number one technique that everybody uses just because traditional waiting for the bite, you know, gets old and there's a new way to do it. And, and that sight casting is definitely, I mean, there's tower boats as far as you can see out there. Mm-hmm. So, and what, uh, what are you throwing at them? Uh, so that's another thing that's pretty interesting. You talk about the amount of boats. This is, a uh, so I never thought that fish could really learn. Right. <laughs> um, so back in 2013, 2014, uh, when I was getting my name in the game of, of, uh, cobia fishing, we used to throw bucktails, uh, just little 1.5 to two ounce jigs. That's, that's what we let off with no matter the size of the fish, you threw an artificial lure. So, uh, probably 2016, they started getting really, really weird on the jigs. And then you had to start throwing live eels. Um, and that was, I hate eels. They're, they're a pain. They're really hard to rig. They ball up on you. They're nasty. They're, they're kind of pricey. Um, but so your eels, that's, that's another bait that they use up there. And now with more and more boat pressure, eels are almost irrelevant. Mm. Uh, and that's, that's pretty amazing in itself. Like, I don't know how fish can learn over time that to not eat that or what the deal is, but now we throw menhadens. That's, that's our, that's your premium bait, a bunker pogey menhaden. Um, those are those three different names for them. Um, they're pretty much all over the Chesapeake Bay and that's a pretty much guarantee, um, guarantee hook them. If you get it right in front of his face that they're going to eat it. Yeah. That's kind of our, our pilchard, you know, like when we, we take pilchards out there and, and the Kobe is like the pilchards. What about crabs? Nobody's nobody throws crabs up there. You know, that's interesting. Um, I have thrown a handful of blue crabs at them mm-hmm. and I've never seen them eat them. Really? Um, it's, it's crazy. And what's really odd about it is every Kobe you open up has some sort of crab in their stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're called crab calicos. eaters, you know, like some, like an old name for them from the old guys is like, I got a crab eater, you know, and it, that's yep. what they called Kobe, a ling, Kobia, crab eater, you know, but they, yep. they definitely eat them in the keys. Like, they definitely eat them. We'll be permit fishing or whatever. And you see cobia, you throw your crab in front of them. They eat it every time. Uh, That's or, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and what else it's, we, we bottom fish here for redfish mm-hmm. um, and we use crabs. Um, we'll, we'll burn the reds up. We use half crabs or whole crabs on the bottom on the same shoals that the cobias are on. And I used to run charters um, for months over there and um, months a year and um, never caught a cobia on a, on a crab. Really? Never strangest thing yeah it is strange because you know you would think i mean it's definitely within their diet but you're Mm -hmm. you have them out there and they're not and they're not eating them maybe they're it maybe it could be a size thing with the crab maybe i don't know what size you're using for the redfish or not but i mean we're throwing like permit crabs to them like a size of a half dollar or something like small crabs and Mm -hmm. and they they definitely they definitely like them but then the other thing is is we don't really have to my knowledge the presence of eels in our water but if you throw like a a long soft plastic that resembles an eel they love that like they just go for that like crazy like so i don't know they you know they're obviously looking for things they're a migratory fish they're encountering all these different things in different areas but 
I don't know. It's funny that it, you don't catch them on crabs up there. Well, we don't. And I was going to say, you know, it's kind of a confidence thing. I'm yeah, not going to say they sure. don't eat a crab. Right. You know, you throw a crab one time and he doesn't eat it. You're like, I'm not throwing any more crabs that right. day. <laughs> yes. So I, I've probably thrown a dozen. You know, it's not like I do it often because I know, like I said, I know the minhane is going to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you talk about the eels. Uh, I'm not too sure. I don't think we have eels in our bay either. I've never seen an eel in a cobia stomach. Hmm. And um, I so think where do you get your eels? Where do the eels come from? Like that you're using for bait if they're not present in the water? They get them up in the rivers and uh, okay. in our freshwater rivers. Okay. Yeah. And then I, I've never I've never fished in that area, so I don't know how the bait shops work. But you just go to a bait shop and it, and you got a bait tank full of eels, just like you would have a bait mm-hmm. tank full of shrimp or crabs in the in the keys. Yep. And they it are sounds like a nightmare. Much <laughs> oh my goodness! I don't like they, I don't like them. the idea of eels. Like I mean I don't know they're. I don't know why, because when I was a kid, we fished with worms all the time, and they're like a small eel, kind of. But uh, eels are terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> I know they, they seem to be. They're slimy. They're slimy. They always ball up on you. You hook them, they instantly go into a knot on your line. They're they're pretty much the worst bait fish you could possibly imagine. But they are immortal. Huh. They cannot die. They actually give them to you at the tackle shop in a plastic bag, and you put them in the in your car. You drive to the boat, and they're still kicking as risky as can be and you can put them on the hook and they're good to go wow and um, even in the presence of salt water like if you're getting salt water in your live wells and 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 oh yeah you're out in in pure salt water it doesn't seem to make any difference to a fish that's just came from fresh water there's no acclimation phase there's nothing nothing they they stay in my my live bait traps for years <laughs> so they're, they're crazy crazy creature yeah well i don't but i don't I do, think i, I want to fish with them personally but i would like to see you know uh a cobia attack one one day like it seems like seems like that's a pretty cool cool bite like if when you do present that properly in front of a cobia and they just smash the crap out of it that would be pretty cool i think the the reason why they eat the eels um is as i see this a lot if people cast the eel and uh the reason why is it goes down mm-hmm. it, it, the second you stop the eel just kicks to the bottom and one thing i've noticed on cobia is, is when the bait drops that's that's what they want um hmm. as opposed to, i mean i know they'll eat it kind of like just on the surface too but the second the bait drops cobias get all over it and those eels the second they they get in the water they dive straight down hmm. do you have triple tail up there do you very few very but, few but you fish them in florida right when you're down in florida yes because they do the I, same I thing the like, like uh you know when you throw a, a live shrimp or a or a you know soft plastic or whatever you're throwing to a triple tail they're kind of hesitant on the surface and there you'll get, you'll get bites. But if you just let that thing drop, they'll, they'll fall out of sight. You're like, well, I don't know. It seems like he's yeah. on it, you know, and then pow, yeah. they, they eat it. Then it seems like the same kind of uh, a trigger for the, for the triple tail is was what you're talking about for the cobia. As soon as that thing starts dropping, then yeah. I don't know, maybe they feel, you know, they're not right up on the surface anymore, but it doesn't seem to bother either a cobia or a triple tail that much because they hang out on the surface lots of times but yeah you know, i don't know it's kind of interesting when when you're talking about how fish learn like that you see that in the bass world very often like for example you know the chatterbait like there's a there's a, mm-hmm. a it's like a jig and it's got like a for anybody that doesn't know what it is it's like a jig and it's got like a blade in front of it so it's kind of like a, a hybrid between a uh, a spinnerbait kind of thing and maybe a spoon and a jig kind of all together in, in one. And all of a sudden they started using it in the bass world and it was working really good. And then, you know, for a while 
you're just throwing chatterbaits and, and catching whatever or those guys were. But then the fish get onto it. And it's but they're getting onto it in places where it's not like I, I don't know, like like people are fishing a certain bait in certain lakes in certain areas, but then in other lakes and other areas where they've never been seen before, they don't really like them that much anymore. It's a really weird thing that that they could learn. Like, and how could that ever be possible that a fish in a different lake with a different, you know, that hasn't seen this much just decides that they don't want to eat that anymore either. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. I've got a belief on maybe, so Kobe fishing wasn't popular, like I was saying, years years ago. I mean, it was, people still fish for him, but not like it is now. Mm-hmm. I was thinking that it's possible that we took out those fish that are dialed into the bucktails that are just kind of like the ones that just are aggressive on everything. And we've just wiped those out. And now the smarter ones survive and they're breeding. And that's, I, I know that probably sounds crazy, but also, like you said, I had, I never in my life thought you could see a fish a fish just learn to not eat something. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that's what, if that's what people are throwing, uh, and, and then they see enough of them and if they, you know, one of those things comes in front of them and they don't eat it and, Oh, there's a boat. Okay. That happens enough times. Then they're like, well, every time we see that thing, there's something <laughs> else that's going wrong or cousin Bob over here gets yanked out of the water by a big hook. I don't know. It, it, they do seem to learn though. I don't, I don't know that yeah, we give them sure. enough. I don't know that we give them enough credit in, in a lot of ways that a fish can learn. And then in other ways, I think we give them too much credit. Like, well, they have a brain like we do and they're reasoning and they're thinking all of these things. I think it might be like, you know, like with the push pole of the, you know, the way that we, we fish in the keys with the push pole, every time they hear that sound of that push pole clicking the bottom, the next thing you know, something, scary happens right like mm-hmm. a cast comes in or or the boat kind of bumps them or or you actually run over them or, or something happens and it's like you just have to hear that a few times i mean how many times do they have to see a bird shadow go over their head before they're like oh that thing's coming to get me like i i gotta get mm-hmm. out of here right i don't know i don't yeah. think they they reason like we do but i don't think that we give them enough credit that it it, it only takes a couple of times for something, for a negative impulse to show sure. them that just stay away from that thing, whatever that is. Next time you see it, stay away from it. 
right? So if that's a bucktail jig, if it's a boat, if it's a, if it's a diver, if it's whatever, I don't know. Definitely they, possible. They, they, uh, well, it seems to happen. I don't know. I don't know that we'll ever understand the mechanism behind it, but in a lot of ways we give them way too much credit in other ways we don't give them enough. <laughs> that's my opinion. Yeah. It's, it, you'll never understand. And, and that's the thing about Cobia too, is, is you, you, you think you know everything about them, but then there's always something to learn because they're always doing something different. You know, now my experience you can physically with, see them. Yeah. My experience with Cobia in the, in the keys and ours are, ours are smaller than yours, right up there. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of fish in the northernmost portion of their range are the biggest, or as you go further North in a, in a, in the, the, the geographic kind of area that a fish lives in the further north you go a lot of times the bigger that fish gets and i think that's kind of what happens with the cobia and in in the redfish Mm -hmm. too i mean you guys have some massive freaking redfish up there and even further north and our redfish are much smaller maybe more plentiful um and that's something else that, that i've noticed before is the further south you go in the range the smaller they get but the more plentiful a lot of different species. This is by no means, this is bro science, total, totally yeah. bro science. Yeah. But just in my observation of say bonefish, you know, the further south you go in their range, the smaller they are, but the more plentiful they are. The more the further north you go in their range, there are fewer of them, but they're much, much bigger. And I think that it, it seems to be the case with redfish and maybe with cobia too. Um, but our cobia are much smaller. They used to catch some really big ones in the Keys. Um, but one thing that I've noticed about them, and I wonder if you feel the same way about these, is that the cobia can be the dumbest fish in the ocean, and it can also be the smartest fish in the ocean. And if we start um, live chumming cobias, for example, with with pilchards or whatever, man, they'll eat every single one of them. But the closer they come to the boat, and they see the boat, and then you start trying to feed them anything but that live bait that you've been live chumming them with. No go, man. They will let it roll across the top of their head. They will they they will just I mean, it will literally hit them in the face. It's a it's a real bait, but it's not what you've been chumming with. And it just rolls across the top of their head. They have no interest in biting it, but then you throw one without a hook on there and they eat it immediately. And they become very, very, very selective and very, very um smart about what they're eating. So my feeling is I like to keep them far away from the boat, you know, so that they don't yep. see us and see everything. And then you can throw a lure, you can throw a crab, you can throw all kinds of stuff and they'll eat it very aggressively. But when that thing realizes, oh, the chum's coming from right there and they go up and they right behind the boat, very difficult to catch sometimes. Easier to free gaff. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> they don't want to eat, give them the gaff. No, um, so it, we have, it, it's, Cobias, I always tell people, can make you feel like the worst fisherman on this planet, the best fisherman, <laughs> yeah. because just like you said, um, you know, you do everything right, and then they just, they just literally, they, you can slap in the face. Um, up in our area, a lot of it is to do with time of year, um, because this, like you said, the Chesapeake Bay, the north, that's where they kind of end their, I know they go up north past that, but majority of them are coming to our area. And what happens is the migration in, they're, they're eating everything. You know, that's usually end of May, early June. But the second like July hits, just like you said, you can, you can have, you can catch 20 fish. Then the next day you can get one fish to bite and it makes, you can slap them in the face and everything. Um, because that's your spawning season. Mm. That's usually our, that's usually what causes our, um, what we call it aggressively not eating because they just <laughs> don't eat. And it drives you crazy because you're looking at it, you know, and you can't do anything else. 
Um, but yeah, they they I don't know how I call them smart. It's just their time of year, man, up there is it's crucial for when they eat and when they mm-hmm. don't eat. So when you get into that situation where you're seeing a lot of fish but they're not eating, do you what's the alternative? Do you have another species that you go for that time of the year, or do you just stick it out with the cobias and just hope for the best, or or what what do you what do you normally do? So uh, if you throw enough cobias, one's going to eat, mm-hmm. but you you really can't. One's going to eat eventually. You can sometimes you have to throw up fifty, but usually what I like to do if I was on a charter is I'll go get at least one cobia in the box early in the morning. You know, and then we go to other species if it's really slow or something like that. Um, we can go spade fishing. Um, we got sheep's head, um, redfish. Of course, a lot of people travel across the entire world um, to to come redfish in our area. You know, everybody talks about Louisiana mm-hmm. and. Um, and I've never actually fished Louisiana, so I can't really speak on it. But I know from what I see in Virginia, it's hard to beat. I mean, people, we can catch And The thing is, you're not catching one or you're not catching two redfish. We pull up on the schools, they're 100 to 300 redfish on average. And they're pretty aggressive. They, they usually eat anything you throw at them. What's the water depth where you're finding those? Like, I mean, is it deeper water or do you ever find them shallow that, like that? Or what? You So the big ones? Yeah, um, they're deeper like those water. schools. Okay. Yeah, they're about 20 deep as in my bay deep, 20 sure. to 30 feet deep yeah. on average is probably. Um, and we catch them around the, the bridges on the rock piles that kind of circle the islands. And that's about 15 feet or so. Um, you get into the real shallow water, you're going to get your, we call them puppy drum. They're like 18 to 26s. And that's in the rivers and stuff like that. But uh, for the big ones, that's uh, that's pretty much just the middle of the bay, 20 feet, 25 feet. And it, there's no real reason on where they are usually, except for on the islands. But if you find them in the open water, You'll just be driving across the bay and you look off your side and the water's gold and they're just mm. floating around out there and they eat pretty much everything you, you Does can that have uh, bird activity involved with that. I mean, are the birds on them or no. do you just look, look for the fish themselves? We, we don't use birds at all as, as crazy as that sounds. Again, I, I just moved to Florida recently and, and I, it's amazing how much bird activity <laughs> is here in Chesapeake Bay. Um, there's no birds. It's just, you just drive and literally look for the fish. Um, oh. You got to actually, and, and that's why sun's so crucial to us. Um, we have to physically look into the water to see the fish. Um, there's no hints on birds. There's no hints on really anything besides seeing the fish. So the fish are like the, in that situation that you're talking about, they are floating up like that. They're not on bait or are they just kind of, are they just kind of there by themselves or are they like, we'll have something similar to that happen in the panhandle of Florida. And a lot of times those are, chewing on on bait like they'll they'll find a bait ball and then you'll see the fish and there'll be some bird activity and that might cue you into where they are and you go over there and they're actively eating stuff but then i've seen other situations where you'll see a big um school of redfish like that and they're just kind of hanging they're just not they're just like together for safety rather than together like that eating so i don't know which is it kind of are they just kind of hanging out or are they eating when you're finding them it's just, uh, they're hanging out. Um, yeah. I, I think I've only actively seen, uh, maybe three redfish schools like eating. Mm. Um, and, and they weren't actually eating when I found them. I was just sat on the school for so long that eventually a bunker school would come through and it, they'd explode on it <laughs> or, um, something like that. But no, every time you see them, they're just floating around out there. Yeah, that's I don't super know if cool. it's a spawning thing or, or what the deal is, but they just, and I mean, they will hang out if you don't have yet again, comes back to boats. If you can stay on that school and, and, you know, it's, it's a lot of shifting 
and don't want to spook them or anything like that, they'll they'll float around in the same area for hours, and yeah. you can catch every single one out of that school. It's really and, cool. And then those those fish are really big. Is that are they um, like what's the average size of a fish? Uh, you know, in in one of those schools like that versus the puppy drum that you're talking about up in the river. If you find them in the open water, sometimes you'll get some smaller ones on the islands. They're a smaller one as in like 36 to 38. Um, the ones in the um, open water, they're all pretty jumbo. They're they're between 46 and 48 on average. Wow. Um, we'll get them up to 57, 56 consistently. So a, um, they're, a, a they're fish jumbos. that's 50, 50 some odd inches, 55 inches, what does that weigh in your area? Uh, well, we can't we can't legally keep them. So I've never truthfully hung one on a scale. Um, or even, I don't like to, you know, lip grip a 50 right, pound fish. Right. So I can kind of guess by holding it like a cobia, I would say probably a pound per inch at 50 inches. So like wow. a 50 inch fish is probably 50 pounds, 51 inches, 51 pounds. That's what I would guess. Wow. But I have no way to really prove it. That's incredible. So, I always, when no fat. even when we're thinking, when we're just talking about this, I always think about this picture that it's like an iconic picture and it's a Chico Fernandez with a, with a, uh, world record from, from right around your area, I think. Um, and he caught it on fly, but it was a world record. And it was this, it was the biggest red. I didn't even know. When I first saw that picture, I didn't even know redfish got that big. I was just like, Oh my God, look at this thing. Where in the world did, did he catch this fish? And, and, uh, I guess he got on that pretty early, but I mean, that was back in probably the sixties or maybe even the seventies that he's, that he caught that big fish, but I can just, I can, picture that in my head right now as we're talking about that just this massive redfish that um, we get them big yeah it seems seems that way that's super cool man and then tell me about um the spade fish and how you do it up there because I've, I've done that a couple times before and it's an interesting way that we did it i'm wondering how you how you do it so uh the spade fishing is it's really good for customers and, and kids if you have kids mm-hmm. it is like I mean, it's perfect. Uh, so, so what we do is just a little float, kind of like bass fishing, just a little float, um, 15 pound fluorocarbon to a little small, like number two circle hook, just depending on the size of the spade fish. Um, our, we don't get the jumbos around the islands. The big ones are going to be offshore more, um, islands as in our bridge. That's sorry. That's what we call our, the rock piles there. We call them the islands. Uh, they're going to be about two to three pounds, which is perfect yet again for a kid. So bobber, 15 pound floor, number two circle hook. So they don't have to set the hook and mm-hmm. yank the bobber out of the water and tiny pieces of fresh clam, fresh clam. And, um, okay. Yeah. And if you can, uh, we get these like moon jellies yeah. kind of looking things. And if you can put some of that on there, that's pretty much your instantaneous bite. But, um, usually we just use a little piece of clam and I'll be up top in the tower and we'll see it's like a, almost like a black cloud of fish <laughs> and, um, just get the cut or get the kids downstairs. You, if they can't cash it, you throw the throw it in there and let them just hold tight and the rod bends and, you know, circle hook sets it on themselves. And they have a blast, man. That's cool. And you know, for kids, that's a cool looking fish too. Like it, it's got mm-hmm. stripes on it. It's really, really cool. The way we did it before was in uh, South Carolina. The first time that anyone had ever, uh, I mean, we have spade fish in the keys and I've seen them before and they're, they're around like if you're snorkeling and stuff, but I don't know of anyone that targets them. And so we were in uh, uh, South Carolina and one of my client friends was up there and he had a boat in South Carolina and he's like, you know, you should bring your kids out here and we'll go spade fishing. And, um, and we did. And so this was talk about the, the best thing for kids. So the first thing we did was net all these jellyfish 
right? Which aren't really a stinging jellyfish. Like, I don't know, maybe they sting you a little bit, but they didn't sting, they didn't sting bad. Like they weren't like a, a zipper, you know, where you're like, oh shit. Yeah. Um, so we dip net all these jellyfish. He starts cutting them up into pieces, throws the pieces out there. There's spade fish all over. Just like you say, you take a little piece of that and put it out there and we caught tons of them. But the whole experience was awesome for kids. Like, yep. first of all, they're catching jellyfish. That's super cool. Then they're looking at these jellyfish and I, I don't know. I just remember that very, very fondly. And then thinking, man, we could probably do this in the keys somehow of uh, catching these. I, I don't know. We probably don't because there's just a lot of other things to fish for, but um, it's a, it's a great experience. That's, that's super cool. Does anybody eat the spade fish? Do you eat them? This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Um, I have eaten them. They're not, I wouldn't say they're the best. I mean, they're definitely not bad. Um, oh. You know, I have customers that come on the boat and actually want to want to eat them. Oh. Um, they just got like a darker colored meat to them. It's not like a bright white, like a, like a sheep's head or oh, something like that. Um, but I mean, they're definitely edible, but I wouldn't say they're the best out there, but, right. but a good experience. That's a, that's a cool exactly. experience for the kids. Um, so they're eating clams normally. Is that what the, I mean, is that in their diet or they just love it? I, I think that, I think they just really feed off the, I know they eat a lot of jellyfish uh -huh. and I, they usually spit up like a bunch of shells. Huh. Um, so I, I guess they're eating barnacles. I'm not a yeah. spade fish expert. Yeah, I, I know, go but in there, throw the clam and get it done. Well, I mean, it's a cool, it's a cool species and, to have, you know, as, as something that you could go do. Um, and mm -hmm. like, just, just from my perspective, I've caught all kinds of fish and that was one of my favorite days I've ever spent, uh, <laughs> was doing that because it was new to me and we had never done it before. I had never thought about using jellyfish for, for bait like that. And my kids are dip netting them and we're having this, this amazing time. It was super fun. It really was. It was really, really a good time. I mean, we could have been catching bluegill, right? Like it didn't matter. Yeah. The rod was constantly bent. The, the fish that came up was cool looking the way that we 
you know, what we were using for bait was cool and unique and new. And I don't know, it was just really, really one of my favorite things. And, and this particular person that, um, he's, he's passed on now, but he, uh, you know, he had been coming to the keys and he was, you know, really interested in learning how to permit fish. And so I was teaching him how to do that. And then he turns and teaches, teaches us all how to do this spade fish. I don't know. The whole day was just, it was just an awesome, just an awesome experience really. So yeah, they're a good time. And they, like you said, constant action. That's what's good about it for kids. You yeah, know? for sure. If you're sure. having a slow day, go throw the clam out. Yeah. So let's let's talk about your um your other thing you got going on, which is this Twitch, your Twitch channel. Um, and so I'm going to sound really old and out of touch, but I don't know Twitch. My kids didn't really play a lot of video games. I know it. I know that there are a lot of gamers on Twitch, um, and I know that it's it's very very popular but i don't i don't know that platform i don't get on twitch i don't know much about it so tell us about um how and why you started you found yourself an audience on twitch for your fishing for your fishing show because it's pretty cool and i looked and you get you get views man you're like there's people over there watching yeah it's very it's a very new let's just say new thing to do the live stream fishing so basically twitch is a live stream platform um it's 99.9% 99.9% gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I played a lot of games growing up, so I knew exactly what Twitch was. And, um, you know, YouTube is, is, is tons of people on there mm-hmm. and it's a lot of edited stuff and computer stuff. And I am not a tech guy. Um, I just know how to catch fish or try to catch fish. Um, and I can't turn on a computer. I'm not very good at any of that. So editing wasn't my thing. And, uh, I, I saw an opportunity because you could, you could stream all day. And so what I started doing on my charters was we just mounted a camera up top and I thought it was kind of cool. I would tell my customers, Hey, I'm going to record today. It wasn't, I wasn't doing it for like even thinking of a business out of this. I was like, I'm just going to record the day. And, um, pretty much if they want to go back and watch it or fish being caught, well, I have it from them casting to hook up to release. Everything's recorded all day long, eight hours. And, um, Twitch pretty much just, gave me the opportunity to, to do that. And I didn't think anything of it. And it just started growing and growing. And, um, we were up to about 60 to 70 viewers, um, for my first like little bit of trying it out. And what's really cool about Twitch is you have an active chat. So there's, there's only a 30 second delay. So I can literally say, Hey Tom, um, should I throw the pink bucktail or the green? Which one do you guys think is going to work? And they'll say, you know, they'll come back at you, throw the pink and then <laughs> we'll put the pink on there, throw it. And it's, it's very interactive. You know, it's a great learning experience too. Um, people come in there to learn to cobia fish. People come in there to learn to shark fish, whatever I'm doing that day, you know, you get tons of questions. It's like an active, just really, really cool. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so did was doing the eight hour cobia thing um and customers were loving it they could go back and watch everything i mean as you as you know customers uh you could you know they show the pictures of all their friends and but if you have the video behind the everything that went on to that um it, it's just really you know it's, it's really good for the customer to have but started shark fishing on there um took a trip down to florida and my numbers just spiked up like crazy and, and people love live shark fishing i love i love shark fishing i even heard me say it enough yet i love shark fishing but the the live shark fishing really took off and um yeah that's uh that's that's pretty much it i'm learning as i go i've only been doing this for about two years uh two yeah. and a half years and so um you see that the audience is is really growing and the people that are watching with your um with the interaction and the the the, the comments being so uh, 
um, a big, so much of a part of this, you're kind of getting an idea who it is that's watching. I would imagine like these are, uh, people that are really interested in learning. These are real anglers. These are, these are people that, uh, that ask real questions. Like, is that what you're seeing as the audience grows? And especially as you start to do more shark fishing or something like that, that tends to bring in a lot of different types of audiences. But I'm just kind of wondering, like, in your opinion, like, are the, are you picking up charters from this? Are you getting real anglers? Like what, what, what do you think the makeup of the audience is? Uh, a lot of it is actually inland people who have never seen saltwater mm-hmm. or have been able to fish saltwater. I would say most of them are anglers. You know, they don't get to get out nearly as much as, as us, you know, maybe on the weekend or something like that. But most of them are like um, inland people and uh, they have just never, never seen saltwater or seen fish, you know, sharks or groupers, you know, that big is just amazing. Um, and, and what I really think is is cool about Twitch and I try to stick to my schedule is I try to do a nine to five an eight hour stream and it, you can live the fishing life through, you know, if you're at work, you just put it up on your monitor, you know, whatever, maybe have in the background and you can live the whole fishing life. Um, I mean, you know, as well as I do eight hours of fishing is not eight hours of fishing. There's so much, so much stuff, boat maintenance, rigging, mm-hmm. um, everything. Um, so you can pretty much on Twitch, I, I just turn the camera on and stream everything wow. um, from a wake up in the morning, to make the rigs, um, you know, we go get the bait, we drop the boat in, um, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at new areas. It's a whole experience. And like I say, with an active chat, just people across the whole world that have never seen saltwater, they don't get to have the full experience. Cause if you go on a YouTube or, or whatever, they just see the fish being caught. So it's a lot of, um, a lot, a lot of inland people and anglers who can't be on the water as much as they'd like to. Mm-hmm. Um, and as for picking up charters from that, um, I, I, it's, it's still a lot of the same return guys. Um, but I have picked up quite a few from the stream, but it's a lot of, I've, I've had my return customers for, for years. So, you know, it's usually them coming right back to it. So. so what about, um, you know, the question that pops in my mind is you're, you're recording everything you're recording, you know, your thoughts about, well, let's, let's head over to this spot. This spot's too busy. Let's go over here. So, Obviously, any other guide, any other angler in your area can be watching, seeing what your thought process is, seeing exactly where you're going. You don't have to call it a certain area. There's, there's, I mean, you, you can see where you're going. Like, has that ever been a problem or do you foresee that being a problem or do you think about that at all? It was, it was a very big problem. Um, <laughs> it was a very big problem. I, I was trying to ask that nicely, but you know, it's like, I'm yeah. sure this is a problem. So... It, it did become a, it did become a massive problem. Um, especially, uh, when in, in the summertime, like I say, you can only fish five months in Virginia. So I fish there and then I come down here, down here in Florida. I, I don't really have as bad of an issue. Um, just because I'm usually just, I, I'm just out there just fishing, having a good time. I'm not really, I'm just catching sharks and groupers and, you know, whatever big trying to get the wow factor out of the stream. So people do usually don't follow the groupers and the sharks, you know? Um, but as in Virginia, um, especially when fish were on structure, like I was talking about, like, so let's say we find Kobe is on the bridge and we have it all to ourselves and you have this camera running. Um, I would say most times in that situation, I do drop my stream. Um, out of respect to my customers, you know, they're, they're paying me direct money. I've got to, I've got to make sure that they get their fish Sure. and you know, chat's pretty understanding of it. I'll just be like, Hey guys, I, I, I got to get to work here. Uh, I got to turn off the camera and we got to get these guys on some fish. Um, but yes, it definitely happens and it definitely 
has caused issues. Um, but I've kind of gotten around it because I just turn off the camera if I need to. Mm -hmm. So what kind of camera do you, do you use on this thing? One that's obviously got, got to be connected to the internet, right? Somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a whole mess. Um, like I said, I'm not a tech guy. Luckily my dad is very smart in that department. Um, but pretty much it's a, you have a system, like a little computer system. I wear it. It's a 20 pound backpack all day long. Wow. And what it nice. is on the left. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's brutal on the back catching fish. Um, so it's a little computer system kind of looking thing on the left side of your backpack. And what happens is you have to buy four hotspots or I buy four. You can have as many as you want. Um, and they all produce a Wi-Fi or some sort of, you know, internet. And this computer system puts bonds them all together and makes one strong signal. And then you have that that goes to a, just a camera. You can use a GoPro, um, any, really any, any sort of camera that has an output on it. Um, but I have a little camera that goes on there that's got a wide angle and, um, it, it's, it's, it's complex and it, it does get beat up in the salt, but, uh, yeah. that's, that's pretty much your system there. And you wear a backpack and you overheat in Florida in the summertime because you're wearing a giant backpack catching fish and that's about it. You know, there'll be one day, yeah. not probably not very far away. Kind of like, I don't know. I was watching, um, some stuff with my kids and, and like my son's, he's 20, 25 and my other son's 23. My daughter's 18. So, you know, I mean, they're kind of adult children. Um, but we, we talk about different things and we're like watching this movie and there, it was an old movie and they got a cell phone. Right. And like, when you first got cell phones, you're like, Hey, guess where I'm calling from? First of all, it's like the size of a, of a brick, you know, I'm calling from the car. Like I'm on a phone in the car. And my kids are like, why is that? Why would you tell somebody that you're on the phone in a car? Of course you're on the phone in a car. Like, no. And it was like, no, no, we weren't. It wasn't, of course we were on the phone in a car. We were, you know, the phone was attached to the wall and only, very few people had cell phones, right? And it was like, at first it was like for the ultra wealthy and then they start coming down in price and start coming down in size and then, you know, people can kind of get them. There won't be a day, there will be a day, not very far from now, where you're like, see a picture of yourself with this backpack and this stuff that you've got. And you're like, can you believe that I was fishing all day, every day with this freaking backpack on? Look, and now all we need is this little thing that we put in our, in our eyeball and we can do yep. the same thing, you know, or, or like this pair of glasses that we wear and it's, that's all you need. I mean, you'll, you'll see that the, or we'll all see that the technology will get lighter, faster, smaller, everything will happen. But it's funny because I mean, right now, probably a 20 pound backpack and a little thing you wear on your hip, that's super, super high tech where, yeah. you know, give it, give it 10 years and it'll be, or, but, but go back 10 years. And, and there, it was probably completely impossible to be doing what you're doing. Yeah. My dad, my dad said the same thing. He's like pretty much the exact thing. Cause he, he, he tried to help me out with making it lighter and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, my back, I'm, I'm, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this for much longer with the backpack. And he's like, son, and you know, 10 years ago, we were looking at cell phones. We had to have a separate camera. And I, just like you pretty much said, he's like, in, in a couple of years, it's going to be all completely redone. You're just like you said. So technology yeah. is changing for sure. I mean, this whole live streaming thing, um, especially in the fishing world is so, so, so new. So there's a yeah. lot to be tweaked. I mean, I could, I could see like not, 
I could see that it would be very likely that you would walk down Charter Boat Row in the middle of the day when the when all the boats are out and everybody's got a TV up there showing exactly what they're out there doing. Like you don't want to miss a charter. Like that would be a great thing to do. Like mm-hmm. think about all the charters that are missed from people walking the charter boat dock when the when the boats are actually out there fishing. And yeah. if they saw what was going on, then maybe they would say, "Ooh, that looks terrible. I don't want to do that." <laughs> or maybe they say, "Maybe they say that that looks all right," or "That guy's pretty nice," or "That guy's screaming at his clients." That's another thing. You yeah. gotta you gotta mind your mind your manners when you're. Uh, when you're doing that, you can't lose your temper or uh, patience. And that was another great thing going back to having all the charter recorded for my customers. You know, I always ask my customers first, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to, is it okay if I leave this camera, you know, whatever. And if they agreed to it, that was another thing was, it was a kind of like a, um, I don't know what I'm looking for, like a confidence. I, I don't know what it is. Like, Hey guys, every single day we're going to produce for our customers or we are going, you can see the effort that yeah, goes yeah. into it. You know, and so you become really completely to to- you become completely legit in the eyes of mm-hmm. of the people that are following you. Not like an Instagram where you're only showing the biggest, best highlights that have now been edited and and the filter applied, and and you're showing the very best uh, of of what you have to offer. And yes, maybe you do that every single day, but you know, I mean. Are yeah. some pictures from a couple of weeks ago or like, I don't know, you know, that's, that's showing the very best. And even YouTube, like it's an edited kind of thing. You go out there, you're going to, you're going to spend the day fishing. You're going to put together the, the, the best video you can and then put it out there. But the YouTubers, they want it to be a, a certain length of time so they can get the maximum ads in there and keep the maximum mm-hmm. retention. So this is a totally different deal of, putting the whole thing out there unedited ready to roll. Yeah. And it's uh it's definitely a struggle some days. You know, I wish I could <laughs> edit sure. it. I mean, as we all know as fishermen, um, you know, you'll have a day where you'll catch a bunch of fish and the next day you can't get a bite. Um, but, you know, it, it might not be for everybody because some people just want to watch the highlights, but the real fishing, the live streaming, it's very very cool to show. Um, as I do, I mean, I fish, I have fished for I don't know, 10, 12 years, pretty much five days a week. And uh, to show, I, I'm still out there struggling. Everybody's out there struggling. It's not all glory when you're fishing. You know, we all go through the days where nothing's eating. We all go through the days where everything's eating. Or, you you know, it's it's really cool to show everything. No cuts, just is what it is out there some days. That is cool because I do think that in the, you know, maybe since, since before COVID a little bit and then certainly through COVID, um, people have gotten more interested in being outdoors. We've had a huge influx of fishermen that come in uh, to the to the world of fishing, and that's both good and also, in some situations, it's been kind of not so good that there's just a lot more people in a certain area that maybe that area can't sustain it. But what I do notice is that a lot of the people are coming into the sport with unrealistic expectations. They yes. They come in with with an expectation that, you know, if you don't know anything about fishing and all you do is watch people on YouTube catch Goliath groupers, well, you think, well, I'm going saltwater fishing. That's what I'm going to do is catch, you know, 20 of these 500-pound Goliath <laughs> groupers, which that might have been perfectly possible had you communicated that to the to the guide that, 
you see this fish right here? This is the one I want to catch. I don't care about catching anything else. Let's just try to catch these. Okay, well, that's fine. But when you book a, a charter and you don't communicate and you go out and you catch four, you know, tuna that are, that are 12 pounds a piece, great day. But some people are hugely disappointed with that because they, in their mind, they had it that they were going to be doing something completely different. Or they get out there and they hook this giant Goliath grouper, but they can't land it because they've never held a fishing rod before. And they don't know how to put any leverage on it. And they don't, you know, it's like, yeah, there's like a lot of unrealistic expectations that I think that, that your, your approach is actually the most honest, the most um, authentic of listen, this is what I'm going to do from the moment I wake up until the, I, I take these people back to the dock and only on really certain situations am I going to turn this camera off. And yeah. that's pretty cool. Um, when a person goes and watches this live stream, can they just scrub through it and find the fish catches and they don't have to sit through the the three hours of, of <laughs> non-fish <Yeah>. catches? <laughs> So um, you have clips also on Twitch. So let's say you you have uh, let's say you have a thousand active live viewers at the time. Um, all of those viewers at any moment they can clip something. Uh, pretty much means uh, they could take a thirty second window up to one minute window of that. It would call they're called clips, and we have people in our channel that do it pretty consistently. And uh, and like I say, a thousand people can do it. But what will happen is the good clips people start viewing them. And uh, they start getting higher and higher up on the list. And so pretty much by the end of the day, you can hit the clip thing. and It'll be like all the mm. fish catches and they'll be up at the top, the 30 second window. And other people and are doing that for you. You don't have to do anything, right? They're, people are just taking their favorite parts and, and making a little clip. And then that somehow populates into, okay, that's cool. I didn't know that and, about Twitch. And if, if something really crazy happens, let's say you have like a, I don't know, a five minute or a 10 minute crazy battle, tarpons flying out the wall, you know, all kinds of wild stuff going on. And you want more than 30 seconds. They have highlights as well. And we have tons of those And the highlights. Um, you have, like I said, the whole, the whole process. So people, they, they want to edit that kind of stuff and they take it out. They take that section out for you. You could go right to it and view it. If you don't want to watch That's the whole super cool. eight hour session. That's yeah. super cool. I've always thought that would be, uh, you know, I thought that was missing from YouTube, uh, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Is that, you know, if you like this, you could easily take, you could clip it and then use it the way you want to, right? Just like you can, you can uh, repost a, a, an Instagram. It's like, this is super cool. I'm going to throw it on my story, right? Or you could do this. So like if somebody sees something, it just seems like there would be, that would be a good way for like on YouTube to just, just cut that and just be able to use it on your social media. I know that there's all kinds of rights and stuff that are involved in that. And yeah. some people are not going to be down with that, but if you're trying to get your message out there as much as possible, if, if you like allow other people to edit instead of you having to do it. Yeah. It's even easier. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, that's how things go viral, right? Like, you know, people, 
share or they forward or they like or they do whatever and things start you know it starts to build build and build and build and then the next thing you know it's lots of people are seeing it yeah that's how that's just pretty much the, that's that's only way any fisherman even figures out what twitch is nobody knows what twitch is right, right? like you think of fishing you think of youtube and so like you said when people start clipping they start going getting shared and viral and all that kind of stuff that's pretty much our only way to to expose you know, that there's even fishing on Twitch. Somebody will be like, Twitch, that's a gaming site. And then they see like a crazy fishing video. So mm-hmm. yeah, definitely, definitely that's the way to go. That's cool. So do you see in the future that you'll be able to use like multiple cameras or you'll be able to use, uh, you know, a 360 camera or a different kind of camera or, you know, you'll have a camera for close-ups. You'll have a camera that's got the whole boat. I don't know. What, what do you see as so, the future for for improving the the, the broadcast for, for your audience? I've done the multiple camera thing. Um, I used to have a little switch. I would have one mounted in the back. I'd have one mounted in the tower and I'd have one mounted in the water. Or, I'm sorry, up, up the bow. And, and I could pop any of them off also and point them to the water if I needed to. Um, but uh, the multiple camera thing is cool for sure. Um, but a lot of people like the first person perspective um, of the camera being on the shoulder. You know, the rod right here, the drags get peeled off right in front of them. Um, they, they like the first person, especially like releasing the big sharks and the groupers, you know, you got to lean over the side of the boat, like right in the face of, of the grouper. And it kind of gives them that experience. Um, I have learned that over time. Um, some days third person, if we're, if we're kind of having a slow bite and people want to watch rod tips, you know, you're, you just got lines out the back and you just want to wait for the bite or hang the backpack or put the camera back there and have it backwards. Um, but as for multiple cameras, um, it, it's, it's. I can do that with one pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do have a drone that I live stream with, which is absolutely the coolest thing. I, my, that, that, that's my favorite thing to do is, is, is use the drone. I, you're in the keys. You got yeah. that clean water. I was just down there uh, about a month ago. Um, and I, all I like to do, man, I just like to fly the drone around and it gets live streamed right to, you know, that, that's cool. They can actually watch the drone live. And usually what we do, we're doing is kind of hunting for, um, you know, hot areas, you, you, you put the drone up, you fly it over the flat. If there's nothing there, then you just go to the next flat with the drone. It's kind of, kind of cheat code, honestly, but that's a cool camera perspective. I also have a, um, underwater camera that I use occasionally, but, um, it's, it's kind of shaky, uh, when I'm trying to hold it and hold the backpack, it gets kind of shaky, but the underwater camera is another way. We do so it. is that hardwired? Because with the with the GoPros yes. and stuff like that, we lose Wi-Fi when we're trying to when we're trying to do that. If it's like wirelessly connected to a to a monitor or anything like that, it gets under the water more than six inches and and it's it's gone. You know, so I yes, guess it would have it, to be hardwired. Yeah, it, it's directly HDMI to it. It's um, and it's, that's what I'm saying. You got to hold all kinds of stuff, so that's kind of a pain. The drone's the best way to go. Um, and honestly, with the whole live streaming thing, there's something that a lot of people don't think about is your live streaming. So you are limited to where you can go. I'm usually stuck within about four to five miles off the beach, anywhere I go. Um, so luckily, cobias are inshore. Um, you know, most of East Coast Florida, where I'm at right now, is, is pretty deep water close. But, you know, I was just in Carolina uh, when I went up to Virginia. We did some offshore fishing, couldn't stream it. Um, so that's kind of very limiting, especially when you know, there's a bite, just like, just, just 10 miles out, you know, all we got to do is get there. So that kind of drives you crazy. Talk about the Wi-Fi disconnecting. 
Um, so that's, that's probably the biggest pain of, of streaming is, is being limited to certain areas. Man, I'm just thinking about, you know, as a fishing guide, you got a couple of customers in the boat, you're throwing the cast net, you're, you're, you're trying to untangle knots. You're trying to do, do, uh, to, to keep the boat where it's supposed to be. The wind's blowing you all over the place. I mean, people would be, they, they would always say things like, you're like a one-armed paper hanger out here, you know, by yourself. <laughs> and, and now I'm thinking, you know, I'm trying to, I'm envisioning you with this, with, with the, the backpack and the camera on, and you're trying to stay within Wi-Fi zone and you're trying to manage your customers and you're untangling knots. And I mean, talk about busy, man. That is just un- unbelievable. It's like you need really would like, uh, almost to have somebody else out there with you maybe that's the maybe that's the next thing is kind of have a you know a production assistant or somebody that at least is made able to you know wear that backpack or i don't know yeah. what 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 is the what would if you were to blue sky it and you could have somebody like that or or i don't know if that's even something that you would want or is it better as a one-man operation well okay so Right now, I'm not. I'm not really. Uh, I don't charter too much in the wintertime. I, I do it pretty much in the summertime for the cobias and the redfish um, in Virginia. Ideally, of course, another cameraman would be unbelievable. Unbelievable. I can't can't even think about how amazing that would be. Um, but going back to the customers, on when, when I'm taking out charters, I, I don't look at the the limitations of Wi-Fi. If the fish are five miles or ten miles, we're going ten miles. I mean, I just like I say when I when I'm people are on your boat to catch fish. The stream is, it's, it's secondary when you have customers, obviously. Um, and, uh, usually if it gets chaotic, like you just said of lines tangled up and wind blowing you everywhere, I'll hang the backpack up. I have a couple of holders where I can actually set it. It goes third person. Um, so that's usually what I do in those situations. But, uh, but ideally in a perfect world of whatever, yes, a, a separate cameraman would be, life-changing yeah. um life-changing i mean you've uh, you've i've glide troopers i mean that that alone i mean how many of those can you catch two or three right now do that with a backpack on by yourself unhooking them and all that you you're gassed after one or two i mean it's sure. it's, it's a pain with the backpack and you got cords everywhere and all <laughs> kinds of crazy stuff going on so definitely gets in the way you, you do you do find yourself solo get into some really bad situations of the backpack caught up on like a sabiki rig behind you or something like that. You can't reach it. See, I would think that would be the number one clip that, that that's where people are clipping that and being like, look, this guy's called caught up in a sabiki rig. This is hilarious. Oh yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's, what, that's what they love, man. You can go out there, you can catch a, a, a 15 foot hammerhead, but you can that you'll get a couple of views on that. But the second you cast and you get a wind knot or a backlash aside, you know, basketball, that's what they're clipping. They love it. They laugh too hard. At that kind Yeah, of stuff. man. Well, I've always, you know, I had this, this, this kid that worked for me for a while and, um, he, he was, uh, he, he would always say funny things. And one of the things that, that he was saying is he's, he came in and, you know, it's like, what'd you catch today? And he's like, well, we caught, we caught a nurse shark, a permit, and uh, and we caught a bird. And <laughs> I was like, you caught a bird? Like, I wouldn't even think about saying, you know, like, we caught a bird. Like, you might have hooked a seagull or whatever, like, you know, or, or a pelican yeah. dove on your bait or whatever. But I, I wouldn't even think about saying that as something that we caught. And he would say, we caught a bird. And I was like, you caught a bird? And he's like, yeah, man, what's wrong with catching a bird? I swear we'll go out there. We'll catch 10 tarpon, four permit, a bonefish, and a bird. And all they talk about the whole way home is a bird. 
<laughs> and it's kind of true, man. It's like, it's like, yeah, you know, I started thinking about that. I was like, you know, that is kind of true. Like if you, if you catch a bird, that's all people want to talk about. That's all they talk about for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, it, it makes that trip unique. You know, the story right. behind it. That's, that's always, that's always how it goes, man. You could catch have the best day of your life, but something crazy like a bird or a pelican or whatever that, you know, that's always going to be it. I have learned that in the streaming world. It's, yeah. You don't have to catch fish to make them happy. You have to, you know, they, they, they want to laugh at you. Yeah. You know? Laugh at you, laugh with you. Either way. Yep. You know, you get either way. <laughs> it's a good time out there. Yeah, it is, man. Well, I'll have to check out the uh I'll have to check out your 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 Twitch stream. I think it's really cool. How do people find that if they're um if they're interested in that? Um, how do they how do they find it? And a lot of people that are listening to this may not go to Twitch, so pretend like They'd never heard of it before. Okay. So there you can do it by application or the, the app store. It's Twitch. Um, that's literally all you type in Twitch and it's going to be a little purple icon there. You click that uh, or download that. And once you get there, it's going to have tons and tons of streams on that. Just go to the search bar, type in F I N A O that's Fineo L I V E Fineo live type that in. Um, you'll find my page. It's going to have a Kobe icon on it. You click it. Um, you'll know it's, it's, it's a fishing channel there and just drop a follow on that. Um, it's, it's free to watch. Um, and, uh, we, we stream usually five days a week, six days a week out there on the water. Um, but it's not only, like I said, it's, it's pretty much the whole experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll show boat repairs and everything that goes behind it. Also, you can just type in on uh, Google or any of your, any type of safari, whatever, uh, just type in twitch.tv forward slash Fineo live. Very cool. And you'll bring you right to the page there. So. That's cool. That's really cool. Well, uh, man, I think it's, I think it's, um, it's, it's different than what I was expecting. I was kind of expecting more of like a, a highlight thing, but the fact that you just do it for eight hours at a time, that's, that's really cool. I like, I like the idea of that. That's, that's pretty cool. Are there other, how many other fishing channels are, are on Twitch right now? You think there, there's a couple, um, I'm not sure exact number on that. Um, like I say, it's, it's relatively new. I, they, they actually just released for the first time. They just released a fishing category on Twitch. Oh, really? Um, for the, for the longest, we were in just a, a random, uh, they've got like categories and all that. We were in, uh, I think I was streaming just chatting mm-hmm. because we had nowhere to go. So they just released fishing. So with that, I would imagine more and more people are going to start uh, fishing on Twitch. Yeah. Um, but I would say there's probably at least 20 on there hmm. right now. Um, most most are freshwater. Yeah. Um, doing bass. You know, you, and that's what else is cool about it is you can you can go on Twitch, type in fishing, and you can see someone catching catfish. You can see someone in the UK catching. I mean, everywhere in the world, there's there's somebody streaming something. Um, I love carp really, fishing really cool. over there, man. They yes, love they carp fishing. It's on and and, giant, and these, these rough fish. Yeah. And, and hard to catch. Um, I've done a couple of podcasts with t- people that, that, that do that. And there's this whole recipe about like chumming with bread and all these different chum recipes of these different things. And then they broadcast that out there and then they sit there and wait. And like one of my favorite people that has, that is all into that kind of fishing is uh, Adrian Smith from Iron Maiden. I don't know if you know about him, but he's a super fisherman and uh, he's the guitarist for Iron Maiden. And he, mm-hmm. when he was um, on tour, he would just do a show. And then after the tour, everybody would go party and he'd go fishing 
wherever he could find. And he, you know, he's in New York and it's like he's fishing in some little pond over there. He's like, well, they got carp here. Like this is the huge carp. Like for him, it was like amazing. And he would just fish yeah. behind the hotel in the pond, catching carp. Loved it, you know, but uh, they, there's just, there's a technique to it. They can be really hard to catch. Carp can be really, really, really smart. I know in the, in the um, Rocky mountains, um, a lot of trout fishermen, when it gets warm, they'll go down further in the river and they'll fly fish for the carp in, in the warmer sections of the, of the river where the carp are. And they can be much harder to catch than the trout. And, and a lot of people are super into it, man. But anyway, nothing wrong with carp. Yeah. I, I, I enjoy them actually. I, I, that was like one of my first fish I caught. I know it's not the, the, the ones over there, but we got, uh, you know, the common carp, like 10 pounders. Mm-hmm. And we used to throw the bread out there and they fight so hard. Yeah. It, they're, they're a blast. I actually do enjoy catching carp. That's, yeah. uh, that's, I don't It's just a childhood. That's what I used to catch, man. Was well, carp you could probably find carp. It. The good thing about carp in, in, in your world right now is that carp are probably within Wi-Fi signal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? Like they, they, you could find them like right behind the, the Walmart in town, a lot of places, um, yep. you know, so you can probably, you could probably have a sweet Twitch uh, channel for carp fishing. Um, yep. But, you know, I think, I think what you're doing is super cool to, to give a, a, a real uh, perspective of what a guided trip is like. I think that, that a lot of people need to see that because, you know, a lot of people just, have unrealistic expectations as we talked about. So anyway, I think it's super cool, man. I want to thank you for coming on and telling us your story. I appreciate it, man. I'd love to get up there and, and fish those giant cobias with you at some point. Um, that'd okay. be super cool. We'll bring, we'll bring some little crabs and see if we can make them eat those. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Be a good time. All right, man. Thanks. Uh, so you guys go to Twitch, check it out. And if they want to find you any other way, how is there, are you on social media? You got a YouTube, you got anything else? Uh, best way to, to what I'm most active on is Instagram okay. and that's Instagram.com forward slash F I N A O space L I V E Fineo live. Fineo. What's, what's the, yep. what's Fineo? Uh, Fineo stands for failure is not an option. Nice. I like it. Yeah. That's really cool. Fineo. Like it. Very cool. All right, man. Well, thanks, Austin. I appreciate it. It was nice to get to know you, and, and good luck with uh, with the Twitch. I think it's really super cool. All right. That's it for thanks this week. Me. We'll see you next week. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device.